So my name is Chris, Chris Duffett, occasionally introduced as Chris Dufay, which is so lovely. So I'm an artist. Uh, so the paintings here are paintings that I've done uh, announcing it's a new day. And I painted them as we came out of the pandemic and Ruth and I exhibited these paintings in three cathedrals in Peterborough, in Chester, in Worcester. <laughs> and there are prints available. You don't have to buy the real thing. The prints are available, so uh, they're over there behind Mike. So if you do want uh, some of these prints announcing It's a New Day. I was just having a bit of a moment in worship. It was like, why are they here? Well, Adrian kindly said, yeah, you can put them here. But they're here because we need to know it's a new day. The old is gone, the new is here. And there were an announcement, these dawn scenes of, uh, around the UK, that God does new stuff. And he does it for me, and he does it for you. He does new stuff. So I just want to put that out there. It is a new day for us. Uh, and we need to be people of the new day. People who live in the now. But God is doing new stuff every day. Uh, and he loves to do new stuff in us. So uh, we're going to have a little bit of fun. You know what? We, we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. You guys have been looking at this. I haven't been around for a few weeks. This time last week, I was absolutely knackered. Will was with me. Um, the other part of my job is that I lead a college, uh, and I'm co-principal of the Light College. So we train evangelists and church planters and pioneers all over the country to let others in on what we've got. Uh, the fire alarm went off at 1.30 and at 3. So uh, I was lecturing uh, on Sunday morning and I was knackered. It was just, I don't know how I got through. In fact, I don't know how we, we all got through. Will did an amazing job leading us in worship. Uh, if you want to find out more about the college, by the way, always looking to train people. Uh, you can uh, train with us to get a BA in theology mission and evangelism, validated through the University of Chester, join a, a team of people, uh, the adventure of letting others know the good news of Jesus. And that's what I love to do. I love it when people get it. They get what we've got. I love it. This is so good, what we've got. And I love it when others get it. And I want to inspire today, today to not only think about the fruit for you, but the fruit for others. Ten years ago, I created this free fruit, free fruit of the Spirit stall. Bit of a mouthful. And I uh, set it up in the city centre of Peterborough. And uh, we just gave away free fruit. So people were like, why are you giving away free fruit? Why have you labelled it with this stuff? One guy came along and goes, can I have that apple, please? It's like, yeah, of course you can, mate. He goes, great. I really need peace. And he took the apple that was labelled peace. A few weeks later, I set up uh, another fruit stall, and I was having a conversation with a young Muslim man. I was like, uh, do you want some fruit? He goes, no, I can't, mate, I'm a Muslim. I'm like, what are you on about? Of course you're going to have some fruit. Surely you're going to... He goes, yeah, all right, I'll have the banana. And he took the banana, and he held it, and he went, self-control. That's what I need. I've got a filthy temper, he said. How do I get that? So I talked to him about how Jesus 
gives us new life. And we have the most beautiful conversation about starting afresh, about the the hope that I have as a follower of Jesus, all through a banana. Uh, And he heard the good news of Jesus as he held on to this banana. He did eat it in the end. Uh, I was working with some churches on the Isle of Man, and we're doing the fruit of the spirit stall. And the team there, they were giving out, uh, they were just giving out fruit in Douglas. And uh, the, they were giving out like lemons. They had loads of lemons for some reason. And I remember this lemon, it was labeled joy. I was like, okay, lemons aren't that joyful. But anyway, and then so people were going, yeah, can I have some fruit? Yeah, I'll have that lemon. And they were going, well, hang on, we're going to pray that over you. I'm like, whoa, that's a bit in your face, isn't it? But everyone who took lemons or limes or grapes or whatever, they then prayed the thing that they had chosen. Then I said to the team, I was like, what? I mean, that's, that's fascinating what you're doing. Like praying then for the thing that people need. How come you're doing that? They're like, oh, I thought that's what we're meant to do. I mean, it did work, but whoa, it was bold. You know, it's like... <laughs> Right, you need joy, right? Father, we just pray for joy for this person who's got the lemon. What's your name? Michael. Michael, you need joy. Pray that for you right now. And and they prayed for absolutely everyone. So I love it when others get what we've got. And we're going to look at faithfulness, at gentleness, and at self-control. I had a a, a moment of mistaken identity recently. Ruth took me on a date night to a comedy club. Two things that stick out from that date night that I'm so grateful that I didn't arrange it because I would have been in trouble because it was so bad. I mean, talk about filthy comedy. It was so bad. It was so bad, I've never known Ruth to hold on to me so closely because the compare was picking on people. And it was a small venue, smaller than this little bar. And, oh, he was horrible. I mean, he was just mean to people, wasn't he? And Ruth was just holding on, I just hope he doesn't pick on us. The second was in the break, I got a couple of glasses of wine. Monica, bless her, was serving the wine. And um, she goes, that's £7, please. And the guy who'd let us in, you know, he's the guy on the door, got your tickets. He let us in. He goes, Monica, you don't charge the artists. And I turn to him and go, yeah, nice one, mate. That's great. I'm just here to enjoy the comedy. Some of it was enjoyable. Most of it wasn't. I'm here to enjoy the comedy. And he looked at me. Have you ever had this when someone looks at you up and down? Looked at me, he goes, yeah, great, nice one. I'm like, mate, I'm not one of the acts. He goes, you're not? He goes, no, no, I'm just here to, I'm here to enjoy the comedy. And he honestly believed I was one of the acts. Um, uh, Eventually, uh, he he realised I wasn't. So, thankfully, I just want to put it out there, thankfully, Ruth was like, yeah, what if, you know, what would you do if you had your 10 minutes on, and I was trying to rack through some of the old Tim Vine jokes that I know. It's like, could I get away with it? But it was mistaken identity that I was one of the comedians. Perhaps I look like a, a comedian. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but today... When we look at the fruit of the Spirit, we look at our true 
identity, not a mistaken one. Who we are because of the fruit of the Spirit. So today, when we look at the fruit of the Spirit, it isn't the fruit that's an opt-in thing. This is fruit that's a character thing. The characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit are ours to inhabit. Not just pick and mix when we feel like it. So when we look at the character of the Spirit and his fruitfulness and what he's like, this is our true identity as those of us who are followers of Jesus. It's not a, okay, I'll have a bit of that. Oh, I really need some peace. I need more love in my life. No, this, this, the whole shebang is ours. It's a character thing. God's goal for our life is that we would become more like his son. That's Father's heart for each one of us. And I'd love to breathe in the characteristics of the Spirit. Um, Ruth, I didn't give you one of these. My goodness, I didn't give my wife a prayer. <laughs> Do you guys need one? Okay. Has everyone got one? Who needs one? Here we go. So we're just going to, at the start of looking at some of this fruit, I'll come back with one, sorry. I want us to breathe this in. So just have a look at this prayer. This isn't my prayer. Uh, This is from Sheridan Voisey. You might have come across him before. He's a a regular Radio 2 contributor. He's, uh, He's written a lot. And he's given permission for me to use this as I uh, saw these geese on a prayer walk. Just give it a quick read, and then I'm going to ask you, if you feel that you can, pray this. We're going to breathe in the fruit, and we're going to release the opposite. Just going to take our time to do that. And then we're going to read it together and hopefully at the same time be able to breathe in and breathe out. So has everyone had a, a look at that? So this is Father's heart for us, that our characters would be like this. So Lord God, fill us with your Holy Spirit. And let's say together, I receive your love and release my insecurities and let's breathe in I receive your joy and release my unhappiness I receive your peace and release my anxiety I receive your patience and release my impulsiveness. I receive your kindness 
and release my indifference. I receive your goodness and release my ungodliness. I receive your faithfulness and release my disloyalty. I receive your gentleness and release my severity. I receive your self-control and release my self-indulgence. Amen. Amen. This, this, what we've just prayed, is the Father's heart for you. If you had to describe Jesus, what he's like, just in three words, what would that be? Just take a moment to think. Just three words. Out of all that he is, what he's like, what would you describe him as? Just take a moment. got some words would you shout them out what's Jesus like his friend grace he's loving truth come on he's life glorious healer (coughs) anymore what is Jesus like brother Omnipotent. Father. Father? Great. So get your head around this just for a moment. The most grace-filled, loving, friendly, omnipotent, (laughs) the most healing man who has ever lived and will ever live, lives in you. He lives in you. And the key for us being people of fruitfulness of the Spirit is acknowledging and and in faith, seeing Christ in us. Paul describes it like this. There's been a mystery, right, for years. And now that mystery has been revealed, that Christ dwells in you, the hope of glory. Not the hope of when you pop your clothes one day, you're going to go into heaven. This is the hope of the glory of becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And we need to have faith to receive the love and the grace and that characteristic of Christ in us. That's the key. This isn't a strive all you can moment of being people who are fruitful. This is acknowledging the life of Jesus in us so that we can be fruitful. So we need faith to believe this. Which brings us on to faithfulness. Now, if you're single, you might be thinking, hey, this is great. I I can opt out of this because this is about marriage, right? This is about faithfulness in marriage. And when we look at faithfulness, we can just think that it may just be for those who are married in the room. That's good. And faithfulness in marriage is good. 
But faithfulness that Paul (coughs) writes here is about steadfastness, about constancy, about allegiance. Biblical faithfulness requires belief in what the Bible says about God, his existence, his works, and his character. Well, faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. The result of the Spirit working in us is that we become faithful. So it's that beautiful circle of like celebrating what God has done for us. We become even more faithful to God. Jesus uh, teaches his first friends about what it means to be faithful. He says this, the one who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest with much. We need to be faithful in the little stuff of life. In our daily walk with God, our love for him, our enjoyment of him. As I've walked over from home this morning. I'm not sharing this because, yeah, well done. You you did a walk. Great. (laughs) Good lad. (laughs) I walked over and I was like, Lord, I want to find out what pleases you, what makes you smile. And I just had a moment as I was walking across the field coming into gambling game, just this moment of this pleases you. My heart desiring more of you, desiring to know you more, to grow in faithfulness with you. That pleases you. And just in a moment, I stopped. There was no one around. I just stopped and I had this beautiful moment of I'm pleasing God. growing in faithfulness with him. Just a little thing. Just a little step of growing in faithfulness. We can read what characterizes a faithful person when we look at Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 starts like this. He says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for being convinced of what we do not see. And then it lists heroes of the faith. It goes through people who have shown great faithfulness to God. And we're reminded uh, by scripture that without faith, we can't please God. To please God, we need to be people of faithfulness. Uh, I've harped on about this book. It's our college book of the year, The Church of Tomorrow. Who's, who's read it? Has anyone read it? So beautiful. I've got loads of copies at home. This isn't a book sale. so. But can I just encourage you to read it? The Church of Tomorrow. And John McGinley's going to be our speaker at our festival in June at Mill Farm. Uh, beautiful man. And he, he uh, oh, some of the stories in here just blow me away. 
I've read this story a few times and I can't remember if I've read it here. So if I have, forgive me, just enjoy it for a moment. But this story just reminds me of the faithfulness of those who have gone before us. And it's the story of the one-way missionaries. A couple of centuries ago, a band of brave souls became known as the one-way missionaries. They purchased one-way tickets to the mission field. Instead of suitcases, they packed their belongings into coffins. As they sailed out of port, they waved goodbye to everyone they loved, knowing they would never return home. A.W. Milne was one of those missionaries. He set sail for the New Hebrides in the South Pacific, knowing full well that the local inhabitants had martyred every missionary before him. His coffin was packed. He was warned on the boat not to go there because he was likely to die. And his reply was, I died a long while ago. For 35 years, he lived among the tribes and loved them. When he did die, tribe members buried him in the middle of their village and inscribed this epitaph on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. I want to encourage you in your faithfulness to God to live for him and him alone, to die to your life and to live for his, to be people of faithfulness. Secondly, we're looking at gentleness. Gentleness, I love, uh, because in scripture, it shows that this is key for the world to see. Out of all the nine fruits of the spirit. This is the key for the others who don't get what it means to be a follower of Jesus to get what you've got. Gentleness. Philippians 4 shows that it's for everyone. You know that rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. Then Paul says, and let your gentleness be shown to all. The Lord is near. One version of the Bible puts it like this. Let everyone see your gentleness. The Lord is near. And then he unpacks about how we get peace. So this is for the benefit of those who have yet to have what you've got. And 1 Peter 3.15, perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible to do with evangelism shows that gentleness, our heart attitude towards those around us is key for people getting it. But in your heart, set aside Christ Jesus as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. A few weeks ago, I went out uh, into town 
into Cambridge with my daughter-be. And it, it was one of our, our college but online residentials. So kind of jazz it up a bit because Zoom gets boring, right? <laughs> it's just So Sunday morning, we're like, right, let's go out and just pray for people. We went out into Cambridge and uh, we went to pray for people around where the light cinema is. And I learned something. If I want to pray, the key for me to pray for people is to go up to the people that I don't want to go up to. <laughs> do, do you know the kind of people that I mean? Like you see them and you go, I can't go up to them. So I went up to a group of rowdy lads who still look fairly drunk from the night before. I was like, guys, how you, how you doing? I'm here to pray for healing for, for people. Do, do you need prayer for anything? And one lad, uh, he goes, oh, what are you doing? And the, the rest kind of just watched and jeered. And uh, I said, mate, I'm here, here to pray for healing. Uh, do you need healing for anything? He goes, yeah. He goes, do, do you need prayer for healing for your left hand? I don't, like, I need to pray for someone's left hand. He goes, no, um, no, I don't. I said, what do you need, like, prayer for healing for, big lad? He goes, everything. I said, is stuff messy? Oh, yeah. So I pray for him, and he gives me the biggest hug. But the key, I believe the key was... Okay, I was a bit terrified, <laughs> but I was intentionally gentle uh, in approaching people. The Deliveroo guys outside Tesco's, just gently asking if I can pray for healing. Samson, the security guard, gently offering to pray for him. We ended up praying for him. The couple who had been at a rave all night and they were still tripping, <laughs> so they were really freaked out. Uh, a guy going up to them, offering to pray for healing, particularly because I kept pressing in with praying for someone's left hand. And the guy had cut his hand, his left hand, at the rave. And uh, he was so freaked out. He was like, how did you know that? How did you know? And he thought that his girlfriend had told me. And, uh, and they were still a little bit trippy. So <laughs> they, but I prayed for them, uh, for healing. The key... I was just reflecting on how did I get to pray for so many people? Okay, I had my daughter to help me, and she's great at connecting with people and praying for people, but it was gentleness, just gently going up to people. Not, you need prayer. You need healing. It's gently going up to people. I used to take our son Seth to watch the planes in Manchester when we lived in the Northwest, and uh, we'd love it. In fact, I'd love it a little bit more than him. Uh, okay, I'm a bit of a plane spotter. But <laughs> and uh, on one occasion, we'd seen like this jumbo jet land and we were just really happy. And so it was time to go home. Seth's like massive now. He towers over me. He's 22. And, uh, but he was just holding onto my hand. I just remember it. Because as we get into the car, this guy on his bike, he like puts on his brakes and it's like. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa. And he's like, no way, you've got the same jacket as I've got. And I thought, great, I've just like, done an anorak thing and I'm talking to an anorak about anoraks. And it was just a moment of like, what am I doing? And Seth was like pulling my hand. He's like, come on, Dad, come on, Dad. And uh, this guy just wanted to talk about my rain jacket and he'd bought his because he'd done this massive cycle ride and 
he told me that he'd cycled around Iceland for six weeks. And I said to him, but didn't he get dizzy? Because it's only a small supermarket. And he didn't, he didn't find it funny either. You know, it's like... <laughs> but he's telling me all about all this, like... He's telling me all about this cycle ride. And I'm listening to Seth pulling my hand. And I'm like that. And I'm like, yeah. And he's telling me all about this. And then, like that, he just changes tact. And he goes, you're gentle. How come? Like, out the blue. You're gentle. How come? remember that moment, you know, in the midst of wheels and chains and cycling through rivers. You're gentle. How come? It's like, mate, I haven't always been gentle. I became a Christian when I was 17 years old. And to be honest, I was selfish and I wasn't gentle. He goes, but how come now? So I believe Jesus died for me on the cross. He gave his life for me. Gave me a new life. And he listened a little bit more. And I'll always remember his words reflecting on what I was saying. He said, that, that's good news. Our gentleness is good news to an angry, anxious, stressed out world. The character of Jesus in you, his gentleness that you've got is good news to your work colleagues. Good news to your neighbours. Let your gentleness be seen by everyone. (laughs) Lastly, self-control. How do you feel about looking at this bit of fruit that we've got? We've got it. Self-control. You might be sitting there going, oh, I wish. If only they could see the 18 Jaffa cakes I tucked into the other day. You know, the whole packet. If only they could see. Self-control. I guarantee this is the fruit that we desperately need. I need it. We need it. It's the ability to control our own thoughts and words and actions. Have you got that ability? I kind of have. (laughs) Sometimes. (laughs) You know, one definition of sin, I love this, because usually when I don't have self-control, I'm messing up and I'm sinning. And one definition of sin puts it like this. Filling a legitimate need through illegitimate means. You know, without the power of the Holy Spirit, we are incapable of knowing and choosing how best to meet our needs. I guarantee every single one of us needs the power of the Holy Spirit to be people of self-control. Paul prays it for Timothy And he reminds Timothy that the spirit that God has given him does not make him timid. Instead, his spirit fills us with power, with love and self-control. You can celebrate the power and the love bit 
of that, right? But the self-control is a little bit harder. But he does. You know, I love how the message puts it. The message says, God doesn't want us to be shy with his gifts, but bold and loving and sensible. Other versions of the Bible puts it like this. For, um, for God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And then other versions, instead of the self-control, they use words like um, uh, prudence, <laughs> like um, and, and it focuses on the mind. It focuses on how we conduct ourselves through what we think. In Romans 7, verses 21 to 25. Oh man, this is it. See if you relate to this, right? Romans 7. Paul says this. So I find this law at work. I want to do good. Evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another, another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And Paul says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Is it only me in the room that also has that battle that Paul describes in Romans? The stuff that I want to do, I can't. I keep messing up. <laughs> I desperately need self-control. You know, I believe each one of us carries um, an anti-fruit of the spirit. Can I show you mine? Here it is. It's my smartphone. Um, they're great, aren't they? How did we survive getting places and doing stuff and listening to music and keeping in contact with people and running? I run my art business, you know, from this smartphone and but a lot of the time it's anti-fruit it produces anxiety jealousy greed lust it produces stuff in me that I don't want I've got this um this new deal um I mean for years I've met with a mentor he's fantastic and and this year that like the whole year I've been like right I want to turn my phone off at 9 p.m., make sure it's off. And I want to turn it back on no later than 9 a.m. And the other week, he says, how's that going? How many times do you think this year? You know, 50-50? No. Actually, it's very rare. I've set this goal myself. But it's rare that I can keep to it. Because I'm somewhat addicted. You know, I am. So many games and emails and messages and, oh, students need prayer. And I'm there. Even did a little video for our college on the way here. Sent it to them. 
So I've got this new aim, and I, I, I think I'm pretty good at sticking to it now since, since I was challenged. How's it going? So I turn my, off, my phone off uh, for at least 24 hours a week. Get a bit jittery for the first few hours. Have you ever tried doing that, by the way? Those get a bit jittery. Oof. Oh, what do I do? <laughs> um, it's such a distraction, isn't it? Uh, for those of you who, that don't have that as a distraction, uh, bless you. You're amazing. You know, it's great. But for most of us, our phones are an utter distraction to the presence of God for us. So uh, 24 hours a week, uh, two weeks a year at least, uh, I turn my phone off. And then nine at night, it's off. So nine in the morning. And it's inconvenient, and what if people need to contact, all that kind of stuff. You, you, you can justify why it needs to be on. But I've recognised it's anti-fruit for my life. It might not be for you. I'm just being vulnerable and honest with you. That it produces in me the opposite of what God wants in my life. I wonder, what is it that you need to... <laughs> have self-control with? What is it? Is that how much you drink? Do you need to have self-control with how much you work? I love work. (laughs) But do I need to stop and rest and be a man of character and fruitfulness? So let's conclude uh, these three beautiful fruits that we can have. Ephesians 5 verse 1, uh, Paul writes this. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and live in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, if we're going to be imitators of God, we can only do that by the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is unlocked in us when we celebrate that we are children of God. So Paul says, imitate God as beloved children. If you struggle to, or you may this morning, struggle to know that you are a child of the living God, I want to challenge you this morning and say, if you have chosen and decided to follow Jesus, you are, you are a child of the living God. And the fruit of the Spirit, his life in you is available to you. So Paul commands us to imitate God. That means, okay, striving to do as he would do, but enjoying the fact that we are children 
We enjoy a father-child relationship with God. You know, a child naturally seeks to copy what he or she sees in a loving mother or father. This is the key to being fruitful Christians. Knowing our true identity as children of the living God. Let's pray.